notes in there, and uh, so we want you to, to be able to partake of that, and, um, and so right now we've only got two guys who are leaving up there, but um, you're welcome to sign up. Guys, if you're watching online and it's not too late, you just need to let me know, and, uh, and I think we'll have a good time, and, and we're having a good time in the men's Bible studies, and, and it sounded like the women had a good time in those, and we'll be starting some others uh, soon. We're cleaning out some rooms. We hadn't finished that process, so a couple more work days, and we'll get, get close to there, and uh, so when we finish the front, then we're going to start working back here a little, little bit more again, get some stuff painted and, and uh, all that. So if you pull your sermon notes out, we've been talking about um, making the most of your time. And, and so in Ephesians, Paul said this, so be careful how you live. In other words, live intentionally. We don't need to live just like a stick floating down the river. He wants us to live intentionally. He said, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And so he's wanting us to be intentional. Then he said this, make the most of every opportunity. And, and knowing Paul, Paul's saying make the most of every opportunity to share the, share the Lord with somebody. But make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And, and let me just tell you, we've got an opportunity now. We're living in evil days. We're living in days where people need love shown to them more than ever because there's so much hate out there. But we're also living in days where that opportunity may come to a close. You know, I remember when the... Uh, when, when the uh, Soviet Union fell and, man, ministries and churches went into to Russia and, and were, you know, spreading the gospel. And then that opportunity kind of closed up uh, as it is now. And, and, and so uh, there's underground churches, but it's not as open as it was at one point uh, because we've got a certain president over there that's kind of a dictator kind of guy. And, and, uh, and so if you don't agree with him, you don't do well over there. And so, uh, but, but we may have that opportunity to close here. It's closed in some areas and in some, some ways. And people try and get us to keep our faith in church inside these walls. And they don't want you to bring it to work with them, with you. They don't want you to bring it out in the public. But Jesus called us to shine a light. He said, let your light shine bright, right? And, uh, and that's talking about everywhere we go. And, uh, and so we want to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Would anybody disagree with me we, we have evil days? I mean, we, 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 I spent time at John Aird. It was kind of deja vu because he used to do campus clubs and counseling there and stuff. And we spent the day at John Aird with students who were upset over the young man who was shot and killed on his way to school that morning. I mean kids standing on a bus stop in our community. And, and so every day in the metro New Orleans area, there's one or two people getting shot and killed. Somewhere in this area, it's, it's gone crazy. These are evil days. I believe we're in the last of the last days, as a matter of fact. And it's not going to necessarily get in be- any better from anything government's going to do. What, the only thing that can change it is for hearts to change. Because the fact of the matter is... We probably had law enforcement get to that young man where he was shot in minutes, but it still wouldn't have stopped, even though they were not far away, didn't stop him from getting shot. There's no way you can prevent that. There's no way you can prevent that kind of evil except for people to have a heart change. And that's what's got to happen. People have got a heart change. So we've got to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days to share Christ, 
He said, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And, and so we know the Lord wants us to, to, to manage our time well so that we, and, our, and, and, and we're going to talk about more than just time tonight, but uh, so we can share our faith, so we can take advantage of opportunities God gives us to do things. So we're told that we're supposed to do the best we can with our time so we can know the will of the Lord and do the will of the Lord. And so we've been looking at the life of Jesus and learning some lessons from him. Now, Jesus didn't have, well, my phone's filming the service tonight, but I feel naked, y'all. If y'all see me doing this, it's usually because there's a phone right there. But Jesus didn't have one of those, you know. How many of you are in a conversation with somebody and people are doing this and all the time and, and stuff? And, and so he didn't have those kind of distractions, but Jesus had people pressing in on him everywhere he went. He had people interrupting him. I mean, you know, one time they dropped a guy through a roof. Another time a lady just said, if I just reach his garment and touch him, I'll be healed. I don't even have to bother him. And so he's looking around to see who in the crowd touched him with healing and took healing virtue. And so we've been looking at how he managed his time to accomplish his mission. So first, we learned that we begin with the word of God. And, and that's got, you've got to have a relationship with Jesus to do anything uh, worthwhile in this world. I mean, you've got to begin with the Word of God. That means every day we've got to spend time in the Word. And, and you might think, well, I've got to go to work early, get up 15 minutes early, do five minutes of worship, five minutes of prayer, five minutes of reading. Take our little devotional books we have up front. That devotion take you about five to ten minutes to read it. Spend some time in the Word. You don't go out and meet the world without spending time with the king of the world first. And, and so you want to spend that time in the Word. Jesus did, and uh, he would get up early and go spend time with God, you know, with his Father. And, and then, then we talked about in the second week about being a person of your Word, keeping your commitments. And, uh, and so we talked about that. If we, if we say, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And so if you say you're going to do something, we want to do it. And, and a lot of people committed to say, hey, we're going to put the Lord first, we're going to do this and keep our commitments. Then uh, the third week, we talked about silencing the kingdom of noise. We get noise coming from everywhere. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you, you might have good intentions. You know, I'm getting on my computer in the morning. I'm going to my Bible app, and something floats along the top. Fox News, Ukraine invaded or something like that, you know, and, and you just want to go click. I'm just going to check it out. And then 30 minutes later, you're still reading something instead of the Word of God. And so... We've got to silence the kingdom of noise. We have noise that comes from everywhere. And uh, whether it's interruptions, it's, it's, uh, it's stuff out here that causes noise in here. And, uh, and so uh, we, we talked about how to silence that noise. And, uh, and we've got to get all, and some of that involves solitude and getting in the word in a place of solitude. You might be thinking, I got children or I can't, I got grandkids or whatever and I can't do that. You know, but you can make a place of solitude to silence the kingdom of noise. It might require you to stop looking at news or, or stop some notifications on your phone, uh, you know. And, and, um, and so you, maybe just not, you know, I, I've, I've ch- a decision I've made other than sometimes the local news here uh, is, is I read my news. I don't watch all those news channels. I, I'm going to pick the articles that look like real news and not an opinion, and I'm going to see what's happening. 
And uh, because all these TV things, all they want are ratings so that you'll spend your money on who's sponsoring those news things. So you've got to get that noise out. So you might need to say, hey, you know what? I'm just not watching TV news anymore. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to kill some notifications on my phone. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just like sometimes it feels like, uh, what's that game? Whack-a-mole. I mean, I'm, I'm unsubscribing to one goofy email, and then all of a sudden another one I had never seen pops up. So I'm unsubscribing to it, and a different one pops up, and I'm going, where are these people coming from? Am I the only one? Does anybody else suffer with that? I mean, it's like now I've started making rules on my computer. From these people, it goes to the trash automatically. I don't even have to see it. And, uh, and, and so, or they call you on the phone, and they say, we're with your vehicle warranty company. My car's got 245,000 miles on it. My warranty's been gone, y'all. And, uh, and so, you know, and, and they'll call up, and, and I think we need to all do what Miss Cheryl has done. Miss Cheryl, they'll call her, and she'll say, let me tell you about Jesus. And she'll start witnessing to them, and they go, click. <laughs> they put her on, the do, on their do not call list, okay? And, uh, you know, but she's just going back. I need, to, I need to be a little bit more like that instead of in the flesh hanging up on them. But, but you know, we want to silence that kingdom of noise. And then we talked about prioritizing your yeses. You know, there's a lot of good things we can do, but we need to focus in on what God wants us to do. And, uh, and, and so realize that not everything on your to-do list needs to be done. Uh, but when you look at it, it's easy to get overwhelmed. And, 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 uh, and so we've got so much to do and, and so much coming in all directions. We've just got to be able to focus. And, and it can seem like an impossible task. So Jesus said this. Today we're going to look at something most folks don't associate with time management. But I started looking at this with a guy named Michael Hyatt, who's a, who's a leadership guru and, and writes a lot on uh, managing your time and, and leading. And, uh, and when he took over at Thomas Nelson Publishing, which is a big, huge publishing company, he asked the guy he was taking the place of, who was in his 80s, how did you do it this long? And the guy said, don't tell anybody, but it was naps. He said, I'd take a nap every afternoon. Now, you, you might be wondering, what in the world? But there's actually scientific research that shows naps help. And so we're going to look at that. And, and look at Matthew 11. Jesus said this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and, heavy le- and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. He said, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle of heart. And you'll find what? Rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear and, my, and the burden I give you is light. So Jesus is talking about, we come to him, he gives us rest. Now too often in church, there's anything but rest, all right? And so when we, when we started this church, we said we just want to do a few things each year because it's easy to get cranking and you're doing something all the time. And, uh, and so, but Jesus said, I'll give you rest. So the, the sixth principle that we're looking at, you can write that down, is get some rest. Get some rest. We need to get some rest. And you need to, uh, you know, to make most of your time, you've got to embrace. God's created us to, to live with kind of a rhythm. And there's a rhythm of rest that will actually add to your productivity. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about that. But the world says what? Work harder. The world doesn't say get some rest. The world says to work harder because we live in a hustle culture. 
We live in a hustle culture, and if you want to get more done, the world says to work harder, to, to work longer, to, to rest when you're dead. How many of you ever said that besides me? I'll rest when I'm dead, you know? And, uh, and then you get a little bit older, and you say, well, maybe I'll take that back a little bit. But a lot of people have said that, but the world says to work harder. So write this down. In order to do more, most of us need to do less and rest more. Now, that's counterintuitive counter to what the world says about time management. People who, who, who are nap takers, though, you're finally vindicated. I just want you to know that. And uh, I, think, I think some of our southern friends that believe in siestas, they got that thing going on, I, you know. I think in Europe they do that too or something. Italy, at least in all those Hallmark movies I watch, they're all taking naps in the afternoon. And, uh, and so, uh, but to, to, in order to do more, most of us need to do less and rest more. So what did God cause these rhythms to look like? So I want to give you a few. There's real practical. Number one is take daily breaks. It says in Mark 6, we take daily breaks. Mark 6 says this, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour. So Jesus had sent the apostles out and they'd gone out healing and they'd been working. They'd been teaching, healing people, casting out demons. And they came back from their ministry tour and they told him all that he had done, all they had done and taught. And then look what Jesus said. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. I mean, they're charged up. They're excited. They're tired, but they just got back. Jesus knew exactly what needed to be done. See, the, the world would say, hey, do one more event, one more sermon, reach one more person. Jesus said, come on, guys. We've got to get off by ourselves. going to get you some food, and we're going to rest a while. See, he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles did not even have time to what? To eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Jesus knew what was best for them. He knew what they needed. And what they needed was some food and some rest. They weren't even, have you ever had days like that where you didn't even have time to eat? I mean, it was just hopping. And, uh, and, and, and so, and, and you can do that every now and then, but you can't do that all the time. We're, our bodies were not made to do that. So Jesus took them off for some rest. Now, most of us, we treat most of our days like that, like they're a sprint. We're going to sprint until we collapse. We're going to run as fast as we can, and then we run out of gas in the afternoon at some point. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, but God didn't design us to work that way. God designed us not for a sprint. He didn't design you for a marathon either. He designed you for a workout. Do those reps, and then you rest. And you do those reps. And then you rest. You see, that's, where, that's the way we're built, to work and to rest, to work and to rest. Research has shown that God called, he wired you and me to pulse about every nine, 90 minutes. About every hour and a half, two hours, your brain needs a break. That's why you, if you're working on something, and, uh, and, and this happens to me. So I've got, where I'm studying at home, I've got workout equipment behind me. So I'll, I'll start doing this. I know it's time to go over and do a few reps, get my blood pumping, get away from, from looking at this. And, uh, or here, I'll walk around out there just to get the blood. You've got to take a break every so often. And, uh, and so about every 90 minutes, there, there's a, a, a name for it. It's called ultra-dying cycles, and it means that every hour and a half, your brain needs a break for a few minutes. 
And that's, maybe that's why Apple Watch will tell me it's time to stand up about every couple of hours. I'll be sitting there working, and it'll go, it'll start vibrating. I'll look, time to stand. And so then I'll stand up, and then it'll go, you did it. You did it, you know, after I'm up for a while. Anybody, I mean, maybe you turn that off on your watch. But anyway, uh, so you need to get some, you need to take a break. You've got to take breaks. Now, I don't know what your boss is going to say about that, but if he, but the, the fact of the matter is research shows when you take those breaks, you're more productive on the other time. Number two is make sure you get enough sleep at night. I used to say this saying, uh, my candle burns at both ends. It will not last the night, but oh, my friends and oh, my foes, it gives a pretty light. Anybody including me that says that is just stupid. Because <laughs> what happens is it burns out quicker. I, I'd assume my candle lasts a while. And, uh, and so you got to get some sleep. Uh, you know, look, and, and Jesus got up early to go pray, but Jesus was pretty serious about getting some sleep. Uh, he prioritized sleep. Remember the passage where Jesus calmed the storm? I even preached a sermon one time called Your Boat Will Float If Jesus Is In The Boat. And, uh, you know, and, and, and Jesus calmed the storm. He, you know, he was doing all that. Now, look, here's, here's what was happening. He was in the back of the boat, and right before he calmed the storm, what was he doing? He was asleep. Look at Mark 4.38. It says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care? We're about to drown. And so Jesus, I guess he wanted to get back to his nap. And he said, All right, stop. Everything got smooth and uh, all that. But he, he was getting some sleep. What had happened was that he had been out teaching and healing and casting out demons and working. And so Jesus knew they were going across the boat. They were getting away for a little while. And he was getting some much-deserved rest. He was getting them some rest. So if Jesus needed to rest every now and then, do you think we need to get some sleep? And so we need to get some sleep. I don't know what time Jesus went to bed at night a whole lot, but I have a feeling it wasn't much after dark since they didn't have electric lights. And, uh, and all, they didn't have, uh, you know, ESPN, Saints football, and all that kind of stuff. They'd kind of go to bed early, but he's getting up early to go pray. So you may be, you know, you know you, you, the Bible doesn't really tell us how much sleep we should get in a night, but we know that sleep's important by looking at what Jesus has done. Now, there's a thing called, organization called the National Sleep Foundation, and they said that most adults need seven to nine hours of sleep. You might be one that said, well, I can get by on, on six. I did four hours a night when I was in seminary for four years. At the end of that four years, I was probably an impaired driver. I was so punch drunk from only four hours of sleep. I couldn't go to church and sit through a church service and not nod off. It took me a while to catch back up. I was only getting four hours of sleep. And, uh, and, and so, but you need six or seven hours of sleep or seven to nine hours of sleep on a normal basis. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, that sounds good. So what happens when we don't get that, which often happens, right? How many of you would say there's many nights you don't get your seven hours or your eight hours? And uh, some, nine hours make you all beautiful. And so like some of us guys, we need to maybe sleep a little longer. I don't know. But uh, so we don't, sometimes don't get it. No. So sleep experts uh, say failure to get adequate sleep is worse for your work performance than showing up to work drunk. That it's worse than showing up drunk. 
It also, lack of sleep impairs your driving. And, uh, and, and so sleeping uh, less than six or seven hours a night demolishes your immune system. So it makes you more, uh, more likely to get sick. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it can cause all kinds of things. It can cause psychiatric conditions, depression, anxiety, suicidality, and, and, and you just get colds and flus and stuff like that more often because you're not getting enough sleep. And so, uh, you know, we need to get more sleep. Did I get anybody's attention with that list of diseases? I can keep on going on the diseases if you want me to. So what are the benefits of getting enough sleep? One, you can concentrate or better at work and at home. You don't go to sleep in the middle of talking or, or anything. And uh, you, you get enough sleep, you, you tend to concentrate better. You can be more present at home. Uh, you know, at work, you can be more productive because you've gotten sleep. Uh, you can you perfect skills you learn throughout the day while you're asleep. How many of you ever heard about people who went to bed thinking about something from work and had the solution when they woke up? Because your mind will keep working in your subconscious. And so a lot of times you'll perfect skills that you learn throughout the day while you're asleep. Now, according to, to studies, uh, research studies, number three, more sleep equals more potential income. You want to make more money? Sleep more, all right? That's not what some people would say, but you're more creative, you're more alert, you're more productive. And fourth, another benefit is your creative problem-solving skills are enhanced when you get enough sleep. When you're sleep-deprived, you can't really think uh, about what you're trying to do or what you're trying to accomplish. You certainly can't think creative because you're just kind of, your eyes are about to roll back in your head and, and, and you can't do that. So you've got to have another, enough sleep. So why does that matter? If you, if you remember when we began the series or even this message, Paul told us this, make the most of every opportunity. You can't make the most of every opportunity if you're asleep in the middle of the day. If you're too sleepy to hear God speak, if you're if you're nodding off all the time because you're not getting those naps or breaks, you're not getting enough sleep at night, and, and those kind of things. So sleep is important. Somebody one time said, one of the godliest things you can do is to get a good night's sleep. Not pray, but sleep. Sometimes that's the godliest thing you can do. And you might think, oh, I've got to pray more. No, you need to sleep. You need to go to sleep sometime. And uh, Pastor Kathy's always making fun of me because... My head hits the pillow, it's like, I'm gone. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, so I don't get a lot of bedtime reading. <laughs> I'll read like one line and then I'm gone. But, uh, you know, but sometimes the godless thing you can do is get a good night's sleep. Number three. So one is we've got to we take breaks. We've got to get enough sleep at night. Three is we've got to observe a Sabbath. We've got to observe a Sabbath. Now, we've we got to get enough sleep. We've got to take breaks. And now we come to this rhythm. And, and most people don't understand this. It's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. To many people, the Sabbath is boring. It's legalistic. It's a life-sucking chore. Uh, when we went over to, to Israel, interestingly, we, we, we got there on the Sabbath. Wasn't it? It, it went, yeah, when we checked in that hotel. And I'm, I'm pushing the button to go up to my floor, and the button's not working. I'm going, what in the world? And all of a sudden, the elevator door closed. It went up. What it did was it went to every floor, 
because to observe the Sabbath, they couldn't push a button because that's work. So a lot of people have misunderstood what the Sabbath is. I mean, you know, uh, for it, it, a lot of people see it as a bunch of laws to keep. And we got people today think that way. But, you know, when, when I was growing up, it was something that kept the stores closed. Remember the, the what do they call them, the blue laws or something? I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't go up. What was amazing to me when I moved to Louisiana was everything except the liquor stores were closed on Sunday. You could go get liquor uh, or go to a bar, but you couldn't go to Walmart, you know. what is this mind-boggling when I moved down here. But I moved down here from a dry county where you didn't buy any of this stuff anyway. But everything was closed. So what would you do? you go to church, spend some time with your family, and go back to church. It was kind of a day dedicated to worshiping God. And, and more people went to church than not in those days. And, uh, and so it was, a, it was just a good time. And that, that was the Sabbath. But we've made the Sabbath something that it was never intended to be. Look what Jesus said in Mark chapter 3. He said, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. And since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. They were watching, trying to catch him doing something wrong. Violating the one-minute manager principle who says catch him doing something right and, and, and applaud him for it. But his enemies were watching him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Can y'all think just for a minute how stupid that is? Just think about that. If he heals that guy, we're going to accuse him of work. I'd be kind of afraid to accuse a guy that could straighten out a man's hand or raise one from the dead or something like that uh, just because he might... Do it the other way around on me or something, you know. But if, if he's strong and powerful enough to do that, it just seems kind of, oh, I don't know, maybe mentally ill or something that they would accuse him. But anyway, Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. And he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. See, that was life-sucking legalism. They were wanting to, they'd, built, they'd taken the Ten Commandments and put so many laws around it. They were criticizing Jesus for doing something that was life-giving, that was, that was good for healing this man's hand. But they didn't care. All they wanted was to adhere to the Sabbath rules. And let me tell you, everybody adheres to the rules they want to adhere to. Ran into somebody here one time, they were eating a cheeseburger. They were trying to convince me that was part of a kosher meal. And I've got a Jewish rabbi friend, and I can tell you a cheeseburger is not part of a kosher meal because you can't mix meat and cheese. But anyway, they're following their little rules, and they're trying to catch Jesus doing something wrong, and, and that's all they cared about. And so I want you to notice, Jesus never said the law was irrelevant. He just said the Pharisees were missing the point of the Sabbath. And so Jesus told them this, and write this down, I'll read you the verse. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. The people weren't created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. Look at Mark 2.27. Jesus said to them, he said this, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Why did Jesus say that? Well, let's look at the Sabbath to see what its purpose was. The first Sabbath was the seventh day of creation. In Genesis 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, it said, On the seventh day, God finished his work of creation, so he, raised, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, 
because it was the day when he rested from all the work of his creation. It's interesting that in this first thing that God, this is the first thing God called holy. When he created all the animals, he said it is good. When he created humans, he said it's very good. When he created the Sabbath, he said it's holy. It's set apart. It's, it's a, we're calling it a holy day. And, and, and because of that, on that first Sabbath, God rested. So on Mount Sinai, years later, God commanded the Israelites to imitate him in his rhythm of work and rest and, and, and to imitate him and keep the Sabbath. Look what he said in Exodus 20. He said, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest to be dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Man, I can remember when stores were closed on Sundays. A friend of mine's dad was the J.C. Penney manager. And when they finally made him open his store on Sunday, you know what he told us? His sales didn't go up at all. They spread out, but they didn't go up. And, uh, and so, but anyway, day of rest may not do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For six days the Lord has made the heavens and earth and sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So the, the Sabbath is actually about imitating God's pattern or his rhythm of work and rest. Taking a break to enjoy the Lord uh, for all the good things he's given is what the Sabbath is for. We're to take a break from our work Focus on God. Thank Him for the things that He's given us. Thank us for that job that we've just worked six days at and to focus on Him. So think about, think about this. When God gave the Ten Commandments and He gave this commandment about the Sabbath, the context was the Israelites had just come out of 400 years of slavery to the Egyptians. 400 years of working seven days a week from daylight to dark all the time. Look, in, in, in Exodus uh, 5.4, it says, Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their task? And then he tells the people, get back to work. It was work, work, work. They had taskmasters that were making them work. And, and not only that, in verse 9, he says, load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. So they had 400 years of these evil slave masters that were making them work, work, work. And, uh, and, so, and so you had all that. So the Sabbath, when God established the Sabbath with the Israelites, it was about stepping back from our work and, uh, and, 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 uh, and all the, the working that we were doing and saying, you know, th- this is very good but it, it, and, and focusing on what God's given us, but it's about stepping back from that but it's, and focusing on God, but it's also about saying no to the tyranny of more. Because why don't we work extra days to get more? So God says, look, that Sabbath day, that is dedicated to me. You're not to go out and work. You're not to go out and make more on that. It's setting us free from the tyranny of more. So write that down. The Sabbath is about saying no to the tyranny of more. It's about declaring freedom from slavery. It's an invitation to stop, which is the literal meaning of the Hebrew word for Sabbath or Shabbat. It's stop. Stop working. Stop striving. Stop hustling. Stop and focus on God and what he's given you. And uh, that sounds pretty good in our hustle culture, I think, because it's like nobody, you know, 
all the computers and everything were supposed to make it more efficient for us to manage our time. But instead of taking the time to do what God intended for us to do, we just do more work and, and all. So, uh, you know, God took a break, a rest, and he told us to do the same. And uh, now the, here's where we get in trouble. Over time, the religious leaders in Israel regulated the Sabbath more than the federal government regulates anything today. They added over 1,500 rules of what you could and could not do on the Sabbath. So many steps that you could walk, there was a limit, you know, and, uh, and, and, and because it was a holy day. Now, these are man-made rules about the Sabbath. They're not in the Bible. They're not, they're not codified by God. And, and so they made all these rules, and what God intended to be life-giving and wonderful became life-draining and just sucked the life out of people because you had these Pharisees. What were they doing there? Watching Jesus to see if he was going to heal somebody on the Sabbath. I find it interesting that Jesus did a whole lot of his healing on the Sabbath. Y'all think that was an accident? I don't. <laughs> I think God has a sense of humor. I'm just going to mess with them. I'm going to mess up their theology. So man-made rules, made the Sabbath, write it down, life-draining. And, uh, and that's the backdrop for the passage between Jesus and the Pharisees we read. When Jesus told them the Sabbath was created for the people and not the people for the Sabbath, he was telling us that the Sabbath is not about keeping a bunch of rules. The Sabbath is about enjoying God and his good gifts. It's to enjoy God and his good gifts. That's why we like to have fun when we're here in church. We like it to be enjoyable, uh, and we're going to enjoy being that. It's about declaring we're, we're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to more. We're no longer slaves to our bosses or our phones or the constant demands of whatever. The Sabbath is a gift to us for us to stop and focus on the Lord and what he's done. I, I, I used to remember, I mean, it... Those days were fun when everything was closed. Wow, we had to do things as a family. Now, we might get to go ride our bikes and see some friends and, and stuff, but you couldn't go to the Dairy Queen and get a hot dog on Sunday because it was closed. Everything was closed. So if Mama didn't cook, you got hungry. But, I mean, uh, you know, and, and, but it, those were good times. Why? We went to Sunday school and church, played all afternoon, came back and went to Bible study and church at night. You know, and, and uh, my friends, and, and then we got older, we had to go to choir practice, Bible study, and church. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, those were good times. So what could that Sabbath look like for you today? What could it look, what, what would it look like for you to stop and enjoy your relationship with the Lord and reflect on the good gifts? Now, I know in today's world, sometimes we've got to work on a Sunday. I work every Sunday, uh, you know. And, uh, and so, but what's that Sabbath look like? You know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, you might need to step away, you know, and stuff like that for a day or two and just get, get away. So we've seen today the rhythms that God's wired us with. They, they can have a huge impact on our lives and on us being productive employees at work. And since we, since we see Jesus following these, I think we should take note of them, you know, and so... Uh, take breaks every couple of hours. It's good for your soul because it reminds you that God doesn't need you to finish your to-do list. Let me say that again. Taking a break every now and then reminds you that God does not need you to do his, your to-do list 
to accomplish his will. He wants you to be more effective. Get a full night's sleep. It's productive for your soul because it reminds you that God's the only one who never sleeps and he don't need you to stay awake keeping the plate spinning because God's got it all in control. God's got it all in control. Look, Psalms 121 said, Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. So you know what we can do? Because God's awake, we can, take it, we can go to sleep. We can take that nap. And, uh, and by the way, if you have an Apple Watch, you can just set that thing for a 10-minute nap, and it'll wake you back up and go back to work. The Sabbath is productive for your soul because it reminds you that time belongs to God and put it under his lordship. See, ultimately, we're going to be more productive if we take care of ourselves, if we, uh, if we get rest, because we remind ourselves that no matter how productive we are, no matter how many good works we accomplish, we're God's beloved children in whom he is well pleased no matter what you're doing. You see, you, you don't need to be more efficient with your time to make God love you more because he already loves you more. He already loves you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he does. But the bottom line is God wants you and I to make the most of every opportunity in these evil times. You can't do that without a relationship with Jesus. So I want you to bow your heads. And, and if you're here tonight or you're watching tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're, you're, you must have that relationship with the Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Because you see, we've got the power to do these things through Christ. You might say, I can't, I can't control any of this stuff. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so I want to give you an opportunity. If you don't know for certain that you uh, know Jesus, um, you don't know that if you died today, if you go to heaven or hell, I want you to leave here sure about where you would go. I want you to turn your computer off honestly knowing that you know that you know that you go to heaven tonight so just pray silently with me dear God I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I need a savior Jesus thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for my sin please forgive me of all my sin Jesus come into my life and be my savior Jesus, be the Lord of my life, which means as best I can, I give you control over every aspect of my life. Jesus, give me the power to live for you each and every day so that I can spend eternity in heaven with you one day. Now, for the rest of us, maybe you've, you're already a Christian, and maybe as we've looked in this series, you need to learn to begin with the Word of God. Maybe you don't begin your day, and you know you need to. Maybe you haven't been keeping your commitments, or maybe you've got that kingdom of noise is just going crazy in your head. You need to silence that. You've got to prioritize your yeses, and you need to get some rest. I think all of us can make the most of every opportunity, but we can't do that unless we're beginning our day in the Word unless we're keeping our commitments, unless we're silencing that kingdom of noise that's out there trying to distract us, unless we're making prioritizing what we do, just like Jesus did, unless we're getting rest. So if you're here tonight, we're going to stand up, we're going to sing in just a minute. And, uh, and so 
Uh, if you're here tonight and you're, you would say, Robert, I need, I need to make these commitments. I want you to just stand up. I want you to stand up. Band's going to come on and come forward. And uh, just stand up. You're saying, hey, look, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm standing, guys. I'm going to make a commitment to bend my, begin my day in the Word of God. And I've been, I'm making that commitment. I've done that every day for the last 40-something years. But I want you to stand. If you're here tonight and you're saying, hey, I'm going to begin the day in the Word of God. You're saying, I'm going to be a person where my yes is yes and my no is no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a person that keeps my commitments. I'm going to silence that kingdom of noise because I'm going to find solitude. And I'm going to prioritize my yeses and do the best thing, not the good thing. I'm going to do the thing that God wants me to do and not the rest. And then, you know what? I'm going to take some breaks and I'm going to get some rest. And, uh, and so I can make the most of every opportunity. Father, you see these people standing, God. And Lord, we would tell you tonight that we want more of you tonight. We want more of you, God, in our lives. And we want to commit to you, God, that we want to make the best of every opportunity in these evil days. So, Lord, help us to do these things. Help us to put you first. Lord, help us to to silence the noise. Help us to be people of our word. Help us to to prioritize our yeses and, and to look for that thing that you want us to do, not just the good things, but the thing that you want us to do, Lord, and help us to rest when we need rest. Lord, when, when, when you were here, you would leave people who were wanting you to do stuff for them to go pray, to go pour into your disciples and to get some rest, Lord. Help us to see that and to do that when we need to because, Lord, we can't say my candle burns at both ends. It will not last the night because, Lord, it won't. And, Lord, we want to live and shine a bright light for you for many years. So, Lord, help us to get our our things in order here. Help us to make the most of every opportunity. And, Lord, give us those opportunities. And, Lord, I pray that when you do, we'll be ready to make the most of that opportunity. We give you glory, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, as, as we leave, after we sing, we'll have an usher at each door. You can turn your connection cards in at the door. Uh, if um, you want to, I think everybody in here signed up for the men's retreat that's going. So uh, if you got questions about it, we're happy to answer those. And if you want to take a look at the front where we're tearing it up, feel free. Just don't go up in there where all the construction stuff is. God bless you. We love you. We thank you for being here. And uh, thank Cheryl for stepping up and, and fixing. It wasn't her night to cook, but... Uh, the pizza got cooked, and then Cheryl made a wonderful salad, and then Cindy made some cakes. Lord have mercy. And uh, I was walking around with a fork in my pocket just waiting on that cake. Who else? Uh, Susan, yeah. Susan brought, Anita brought some stuff. Fruit salad. We, man, we had, listen, you will not starve in this church. And uh, so thank you guys for doing that. It was wonderful. And uh, like I said, I was walking around with a fork in my pocket just looking forward to it. I, if you want to join the Faithful Feeders, talk to Pastor Kathy or Cheryl or somebody. What we're hoping is to get it down to where everybody just cooks about once every other month would be good. And, and, uh, and so that's a, that's a great thing. If you're interested in one of the daytime uh, small groups, see me or you can see Joe in the back or where's Fred's around here somewhere, Fred in the back. And, uh, and, and so we'll, we'll just let you know the information about it. All right, God bless. No place I'd rather be. 
no place I'd rather be There's no place I'd rather be So